So just keep to, like doing this talking just, thing. Yeah, we could just keep talking. Gotcha. And we could talk and talk and talk. And uh, this is Rage Against the Pod. This is a brand new Rage Against the Machine podcast. A podcast where every episode we get into a single individual Rage Against the Machine song. We dissect it. We get into it. We talk about the lyrics. We talk about music videos. We talk about every single thing about this particular Rage Against the Machine song. Um, but before we do that, I want you all listening to the pod to go to our iTunes and go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Uh, especially rate and review. That's very important. But also keep listening. So there you go. Uh, you can, wherever you're listening to this, you can listen to this on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, Stitcher, any podcast app. Podcast Addict. This. Podcast Addict. There you go for you Android users. So good. Uh, you can also find us on social media. Instagram is Rage Against the Pod at Rage Against the Pod. Twitter is Rage Against Pod. Uh, Facebook. We have a Facebook page, but who the fuck uses that really? Anymore? Yeah, Facebook. That's <laughs> uh, lame. And uh, or you can just email us Rage Against the Pod at gmail dot com, or you can just go to our main website AskNightRadio dot com. So go check that out. Uh, so it's me on this podcast. It's my name's Tyler. Jessica. <laughs> on the other end is jeff i prefer not to use real names but and that's fine he already did it so that's cool we can do that whatever i guess so well anyway ashes in the fall all right today we are doing the song Ashes in the Fall by Rage Against the Machine. Some quick little things on this song. It uh, It is on their third record, The Battle of Los Angeles. It's track 11. It uh, features all the band members that we know and love in the band. Zach De La Roca. Rocha? Roca? Is it Roca or Rocha? I've always said Roca. I always say Roca, too. On vocals, uh, Tom Morello on guitars. Tim Comerford or Timmy C on Timmy C? Uh, bass. And Brad Wilk on drums. And Brad. Uh, this song was produced by Brendan O'Brien, famous producer Brendan O'Brien. And uh, let's just get right into it. What are our initial thoughts on this song, Jeff? What do you got? Uh, well, this is my favorite Rage Against the Machine song. Absolutely. Number one. Has been for many, many moons. And it also has my favorite Rage Against the Machine lyric in this song. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, my, I mean... Dude, this song is an absolute banger. That that guitar work that Morello's doing, that scratching where it's so high on like the fretboard and it's kind of like gross and like nails on a chalkboard. I think it oh, it's so good. So Have you ever good. seen how he actually plays it? I watched live videos and it looks like he's just like doing like a normal thing. I, I didn't see anything different. Yeah, he's just he's just turning the the volume knob on and off. That's all he's doing on his guitar. And then just playing that riff, but just turning it on and off at a certain time to give that kind of like weird, like, I don't, I can't even think of that, that effect, but no, that, that screeching guitar, it's so abrasive and it really catches, really, really catches your attention. It's, it's good. It fits really well with the actual songs. I think this song is, um, it's kind of like a deeper cut in Battle of, Battle of L.A., and I, th- I think it gets I think it gets uh, overlooked a lot because of the the huge songs that came out of Battle of L.A. <laughs> but it shouldn't because it's it's the best song on that album. I I am with you on on it being the best song for sure. It is the best song, and I mean, but you do have the big bangers like Testify, Sleep Now in the Fire, and uh, Gorilla Radio. So I mean, it, it's hard to. It's really hard to follow up those songs, to follow up to those songs, but Ashes in the Fall does it well. It it just I think just where it's placed on the album too, at the toward the very end, it's the second to last song. You've already gotten through all these crazy bangers, so you're just kinda like I mean, it's great when by the time you get there. I guess like most casual listeners would think that. But I, I don't know. It's solid. But what what's really cool too is that the band still plays this song. They they played it pre breakup when the album came out and they played it when they got back together in uh, 2007, I think it was, right? Coachella, 07? Yeah. yeah. So th- so they did play it pre and post breakup, which is kind of cool. I mean, for such a, a deep track, 
it's surprising that they would choose this song. I think there's a couple reasons why they they like it. Um, I think this song, Zach kind of gets a little more specific and more literal in his lyrics mm-hmm. and kind of his use of like imagery. Because this song is, is basically just like a like an apocalyptic jam. And so, yeah, from the sounds of it, yeah. But even like the the title, Ashes in the Fall, if you want to take it like literally, right? So ashes are actually in the fall. So it's like raining ashes and this post-apocalyptic wasteland. Or I kind of like took it a different route where you could say ashes in the fall. Because, I mean, obviously Rage is very political, and the song have very no. politically charged lyrics. And so Ashes in the Fall could be like, hey, man, in the fall, such as like the elections in November, that's kind of mm-hmm. when we, you know, correlate with fall. Ashes, we're all going to burn in the elections because we're basically electing Ooh, people that are going to fuck us over. That's a, that's an interesting take, especially in the, with the lyrical content, too. I mean, talking about, I mean, we'll get more into it once we get into the lyrics shortly, but... I mean, it kind of talks about, you know, no matter who's president or who's in charge, everything stays the same for the most part. Nothing really. Ch- there's no real change. So everybody just tries to trick you and manipulate you. That's so, I mean, true. I, I like that. I it, like that. That's an that's a cool take on the, the title of the song. I, it makes perfect sense. I, I like it. But I think that, again, I think that Zach was just he was he was more literal in this song. And I don't think that's that's what he was going for. I think he was just kind of going in line with the apocalypse mm-hmm. like the only thing that i've kind of got the only vibe that i've got this week from this song that i kind of it irritates me a little bit is he kind of comes off sort of cocky in, in, in like that i told you so kind of way and it kind of irritates me it's a little it's a little I bothersome i wouldn't say it i wouldn't say it's cocky i think it's just more like you know you should have listened to me beforehand because now look where we're at i wouldn't i wouldn't look at it as as, as arrogant oh dude that's for sure arrogant absolutely no. he's a no. butt they broke up because he's. <laughs> they broke up because he thought that everybody else in the band wasn't doing their part. Or no, they were just. There was a lot of fighting, and they couldn't agree on on the same thing. So, you know, he left the group, left the band, and then he did so many political things after that. Oh, Zach didn't. I know that's the point. Cause he was he, he was always butthurt because this is supposed to be like this this politically charged band that's going to change the world, and then it just kind of turned into it just kind of stopped right a joke no just kind of stopped out of nowhere i mean i've always had this theory that they were paid off that they the band was paid to stop or at least zach was they were paid to start and they were paid to stop they they could have been yeah they could have been that too who knows but i mean it could be very possible that you know they they were given so much money or or even threatened saying like you guys need to stop because i mean look what they did at the the democratic convention back in 99 the, the riot and all that shit that happened there. Uh, I mean, if a band could single-handedly do that, and they also shut down Wall Street for the day, just by being there, just by playing a show illegally, I mean, it's it does seem kind of weird that they just would immediately stop out of nowhere after their their like peak of politically charged music, and then right before nine eleven happens. Regardless of what you think happened on nine eleven, it is kind of weird that they stopped right before. It is. But. It is interesting. Another interest. I mean, just kind of going along with that too. I mean, there are other groups have done it that well too, as far as as people marching or people protesting. Um, Public Enemy's done it, and so I think to be a band. I mean, there's not there's not a lot of them. There's maybe like I can think of like maybe maybe five bands that have done it on like a grand scale, who have miss or inconvenienced rich people to the point where they're upset about something and rage public enemy. So to be put into the same category as each other, I think is absolutely phenomenal. I think rage did a great job at marketing themselves as that type of band. Mm-hmm. But again, it comes back to like the whole major label thing and, and it just, it never got away from him. Although I did read a cool uh, Tom Morello quote and he said, I mean, I, I don't know if I can't remember exactly. I should have wrote it down. I didn't, but he basically said the philosopher Nietzsche he said, mm-hmm. would, 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 would Nietzsche oppose his books being sold in like borders? Even though it's um, not really borders around anymore. But, but you get the gist of it. Right. Corporate, corporation type bookstore. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, they still have a message and the best way to get your message out 
to as many people as possible in the pre SoundCloud free stuff era would be to sign with a major label. Yeah, that's true. But they didn't have to like, you know, fly first class all the time. They could have just drove like a shitty bus and then taken the rest of that money from their corporate, whatever it is, and donated it or put it to, to good use somewhere else. And I never read anything about that. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, let's get back to, to some of the music real quick and then we'll jump into the lyrics. But um, the the way the song is, the song is like structured musically is is just complete chaos. Absolute chaos. I mean, you have that grating guitar and then the verse is just like the spacey, like, I don't know. It just reminds me of just chaos in space. I, I, the, chaos is the only thing I could think of when I when I can try to describe the song because what Morello does on the guitar is just so trippy. And I mean, he's not playing anything complicated. It's just what he's, how he's making his guitar sound that just sounds so insane. And then you have somebody like Timmy C who's a sick bass player, but this is like, he's like the worst part of the song. Keeps it real. (laughs) He does. He he really just lays back and doesn't do anything fancy. doesn't do anything crazy and lets everybody else just go off. Even Brad Wilk. I mean, his drumming on this, this song is he has some amazing fills and some amazing parts on this song. But and then Zach of course. But yeah, Timmy C really, really held back on this one, which was cool. And he let everybody else just fucking go nuts. Especially Morello. Yeah. I, I thought it I thought his guitar playing his guitar playing his guitar style on this song was it's it's probably one of the most unique Rage Against the Machine songs. Besides some of the stuff they did on their covers album, this is there's no other song that sounds this trippy and this fucked up. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would tend to agree with that. As far as far as the the structure of the song goes, I, I'm kind of reading this song as Zach is somebody who is in the post-apocalypse, in the fall of the United States, telling mm-hmm. this story of this "I told you so" in, in this "I told you so" manner to somebody else. You know, let's say like he, like hobos with the with the gloves with the fingers cut off. You know, and they have like a trash fire and they put their hands over. And he's like, "Let me tell you a story." And then as soon as he says, "Let me tell you a story," that's when the eh, 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 comes in. Ooh, and then oh, like dude, this that'd be story such a cool comes music video. And then like it, so it it kind of makes sense because at some parts of this song, yeah, fuck, I think it was like in the. I'll see it later when we look at the verses because I can't. I'm not gonna look through it right now. But in some parts of the song, it it, it reminds me of, of of like a guy holding a megaphone in a picket line, because he's not really rapping and he's not really talking. It's kind of like this in between thing that he's doing. Yeah, it's it's very. The song is very spoken word, very very spoken word, more so than his normal rapping, which is. I mean, he does both the so second well. Verse. Yeah, yeah, the is. second verse. Yeah, same as the first, a little bit louder and a little bit worse. <laughs> Yeah, the second verse is is the one where it kind of sounds like Zach's got a megaphone, and he's mm-hmm. in like the front lines of these protesters, and he's and he's like he's saying, "I told you, like we, we shouldn't believe these people. These are false leaders, false idols. Like don't listen to them." And kind of like the things they are saying and promising won't ever come true. Yeah, and, and well, like he's the only one that knows it. Well, let, let's okay. So I'll read the the second verse real quick. He says, "Listen to the fascists sing. Take hope here. War is elsewhere." You were chosen. This is God's land. Soon we'll be free of blot and mixture. Seeds planted by our forefather's hand. So that's the second verse. Um, that's like straight some like fucking weird Cedric thing I got. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just like, what the fuck? Well, the, that verse is, is meant to be taken from the viewpoint of like uh, a corrupt politician. So that's kind of, that was where it was supposed to come from. And you know, it's essentially patriotism at its worst. This is this is every politician saying, you know, we're the greatest country in the world. You know, everything else is shit in the world, but it's not because of us. It's shit. the The world is shit because of what everybody else does, but not because of us. We're not we're not the root of any evil. We're not the cause of any anything bad that happens in this world. That's that's what the second verse is about. And then it's just people blindly following it, and. It's gross. But. It is gross. And how many times, like throughout history, I mean, just since like the the, the birth of, of, of fake religion, right? Like how many people have said, I am the chosen one. This mm-hmm. is God's land. Like that's, 
Everybody loves saying that. We are the chosen ones. Wasn't that what Hitler said? Like he was like they were the chosen ones and Yeah, the Aryans, yeah. Like come on, man. Like this is it's it's silly. And it's I mean, Jack's not the first nor the last person to to sing about this or talk about it. But I think they did it in a way that was so aggressive and it was so upfront that you couldn't help but listen. Yeah. And the the line of blotten mixture uh, that actually comes from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote James Monroe way back when. Uh, so the actual part of the letter, it reads, when our, when our rapid multiplica- multiplication will expand itself beyond those limits and cover the whole northern, if not the southern continent, with a people speaking the same language, governed in similar forms and by similar laws, nor can we contemplate with satisfaction either blot or mixture mixture on that surface. So I, I mean, I thought that was kind of a, that was an interesting pull from something almost as obscure as a letter from, I don't know. It's just it's a weird thing to pull from. But. Since I've never heard those two things in the same sentence, blot and mixture. I mean, for sure, I think that he pulled it from that letter. I mean, he had to have. I, it, it's such a weird thing, a weird right. phrase. I've never heard anybody say that ever except in this song, and I didn't know that's what that was from. And so there's yeah. there's no way that was a coincidence. No, not at all. And, I mean, that's just the second verse right there. Look at him reading some books and some letters. Damn, dude. I've, I've, read, I've poured through thousands of letters this week. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, what what uh, letters? <laughs> 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 let's get let's get back to the first verse uh or should we just i mean because we're good with the music right we just go right into the lyrics um i oh so just another thing that i wanted to bring up about the music is um like the whole apocalyptic feel to it mm-hmm. the song kind of like begins and ends in sort of this this uh, like crescendo to some type of impending death and that's why when the end it kind of like slows down and mellows out towards the oh, end i love that part and then it's just like like that's the part where it's like, where Zach, if he's telling the story, was like, yep, yeah, and that's when it happened, and like that's the part that got Zach to the point where he's telling the story now. Yeah, it's so good. It it, it breaks down. It gets super quiet, and it's just the bass, like very lightly being played, and then and then uh, Zach's just whispering, "Ashes in the fall." Oh, and dirty. Then, and then it, it starts to rise up, and then it just fucking explodes, and then he just the i don't know man it it's so good the way the song is structured is fucking fantastic i also it's feel great. like like sometimes morello is is the way the drums and the bass come in and especially in the beginning in the intro part i feel like they're they're in to kind of set like the groove and morello's just still just doing like his cra- like he's just going off and he's going crazy and and and, and timmy c and brad and Braddy dubs are trying to rein him in <laughs> They're trying to break, like, dude, relax, <laughs> like, focus, baby, focus. But he never does in the song. He never, Tom Morello never lets up in the song. I think that's He's, like the, like, you need that perfect, like, the opposites of of, 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 of Morello going nuts and Timmy C and Braddy Dubs trying to rein him in. <laughs> can't, can't stand you, can't rein him in. Can't stand it. Oh, shit. But yeah, first, first verse. Great song. First verse. Yes. I think this is uh, kind of an overall jab at, at capitalism, consumerism, and our overall greedy nature. Yeah, it is. And I mean, from what I was reading, and it kind of makes sense, this entire song was written based upon the uh, the opposition of the North American Free Trade Agreement, or NAFTA, NAFTA. as it's called, that was signed back in 94 by Clinton. Uh, so this is kind of a like a protest song against that, and, and what like the the negative effects that that NAFTA had on uh, particularly particular ooh I can't even talk particularly the lower class uh or minority uh communities of Mexico and the United States and how it it affected them I mean we can get way into the NAFTA stuff but I'm not going to do that I mean this is a rage podcast it is a rage podcast. I mean, I mean, it, it, NAFTA is a very important thing, and I think everybody should read about it and read all of the nuances of it and kind of the hypocrisy of it, uh, and especially in, when you bring politics into it because the people who were protesting it back then are now the people supporting it now. Now, now that President Trump has talked about how he wants to 
get rid of NAFTA, everybody's like completely flip flopped because they don't like President Trump. So now they now everybody's siding with NAFTA and everybody thinks that we should keep it. But when Obama was president, <laughs> it was the complete opposite. So I mean, just people are just so fickle, and and no, and everybody just oh god, just have a fucking thought, have an opinion. But anyway, yeah. So th- this song was was written with that and with NAFTA in mind. So yeah, the first verse is is very much like that. I mean, it, it's from the viewpoint of those being oppressed by you know neoliberals of the United States and how they're essentially ghosts in the way of of progress and i put that in scare quotes from the united states and this treaty and everything and it's just it it just shows like like what was the first line in that song <sighs> yeah so a mass of hands press on the market window ghosts of progress progress dressed in slow death so i mean just that first line is is very much like capitalism at its worst you know people who who have nothing or have they can't afford to to even live they're looking through through windows at food that's just rotting away and it's just while they're starving while they're starving and because they don't have money or they don't have a job they can't they can't even survive they got no money they have no job they can't get a job because all the factories close and the factories close because yeah. there's not enough money it's just a cyclical nature of keeping the keeping the people down yep exactly uh, so that's pretty. That's pretty much the gist of uh, of the first verse, right? I mean, I don't think. Do you have anything else to say about the first verse? No. Again, I think this whole song is like I said, very literal. I don't. I don't think he uses any kind of um, I don't know deeper tones to it. I think it's very, very, very literal in his imagery. Yeah, I, I also read too. Some people compare because the whole NAFTA thing and and the oppression of the lower class and stuff. People are also making the comparison that this song could also be about the Palestinian Israeli conflict that's been going on for fucking since 48. Um, and, and there are, there are some parts in the song lyrically that are, that very much match up with like what's going on over there in, uh, in Israel and Palestine. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting if, if it's true, I, I, or people could just be stretching and reading into something that's not there. Cause I mean, we, you and I tend to do that, but no, well only about blink only about, Blink and Tom, but <laughs> it's like all um, we do. I know <laughs> the fabric of our and like existence, every, and like every time we're wrong about everything we say, I love it. <laughs> uh, but so we go from the first verse into the hook of the song. The hook is probably my one of my favorite parts of the song, uh, besides like the ending when it gets quiet and stuff. But the hook, it's just I'll just read it real quick. It's this is the new sound, just like the old sound, just like the noose wound over the new ground. I and then he says that multiple times. But I, I love the I love the rhyming of that and it's so simple and but the message is is very much there and it it's so fucking true. You know? It is. I I think this whole song I mean like like Rage's existence, now looking back on it, it's it's a little bit it's a, it's a little bit silly because I feel most people would read these and be like, yeah, I know, I, I, I know, I know that, I know this, I know this will be our downfall, I know our government does this, I know other governments do this, like, we know that politicians are dirty. And yeah, so I just I, lay back and accept it. Uh, yeah, for the most part, I think so. For the most part, because it's easier to do that. It's It's easier to just sit back and take it. Why well, I, I think make any sort of real change. I think our society only really cares when either a it directly involves them or it affects them, or mm. b it's so bad that you like you, you're forced to. You have no choice. Yeah. And most of the time, on this level, neither of those things apply. You know, especially to us here in the United States. That's just how it is. We're not. We're never we're never oppressed by anybody outside of the United States. We're oppressed by ourselves. About. Well, I mean that's true, but, but yeah, the yeah. That, that hook is is phenomenal, and and the just like the noose wound over new ground. Mm-hmm. I kind of took that as like both figuratively and literally, like literally, we are actually hanging ourselves over the new ground like over some other new problem or or whatever it is and then also Mm -hmm. like new ground could be oh when we conquer like a new land or 
when we took over, you know, parts of Mexico to make it America. But we're still going to hang ourselves with the stupid shit that we've done. And we broke yeah, free from England, but now we're still even doing like the same the thing. Noose, the noose one could even just be about, you know, us taking over Native American land and essentially hanging them, you know, destroying. It's it's us saying we're destroying other cultures as we expand to the West and or South, I guess, to Mexico, too. But. The swollen stomachs of Appalachia. Appalachia. Yeah. So, so let's move on. Oh, we already talked about verse two. So, uh, let's move on to the third verse. This one, uh, yeah. So Jeff just said like That's swollen it. stomachs in Appalachia. This is where a lot of people were comparing uh, this song, the song meaning of this to uh, Palestine, because back in the '90s and prior to that too, you know, when people become malnourished, especially kids, they or even just people in general, they their stomachs become very distended. They get just wide, swollen stomachs uh, because they're just starving to death. And all they're so eating that's is why like some, rice and shit. Or not even that. They're just or rocks or dirt. Don't they don't know. eat rocks. <laughs> I'm sure somebody. I'm so, sure some people have eaten rocks when they're that hungry. Fucking rocks. You never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, this this one was. I don't know. This I like this verse a lot. It's. This is the point in the song where he's he gets the most preachy, and this is the this is the part in the song where, like Jeff said, is the part where he gets like I told you so, and he pretty much talks about how the richies and the government will continue to take advantage of the lower classes and just to line their own pockets. And there's pretty much like he's saying, "I warned you, this is what's happening. Pretty much, you guys are all screwed." And he just he kind of talks about in this verse kind of like the different ways that they're that they're screwing you and i mean this has your favorite line in the whole song this is my favorite rage line i mean do you want, I'll, I'll just read it read since it you're not reading it like the priest that fucked you as he whispered holy things i love that line too i i think it's a it's a it's a great line it's very uh provocative I think the verse as a whole, because he rhymes things or kings, things, slings, and brings. And I think the oh. entire verse, you are completely engaged because it's just like, it's so in your face and it's so dirty. And that specific line, just like that imagery, because you can't help but think, right? You can't help but like picture a priest fucking you, but like, whispering in your ear things about god or whatever the fuck yeah the, the metaphor talk is, about when is perfect oh it's so dirty and i yeah. think it's one of the most controversial lines ray zach has ever spoken out of his mouth i i think you're totally right with that i mean let, let, let me read the the third verse real quick so a massive promises begin to rupture like the pockets of the new world kings like swollen stomachs in appalachia like the priest that fucked you as he whispered holy things. A mass of tears have transformed the stones now, sharpened on suffering and woven into the slings. Hope lies in the rubble of this rich fortress, taking today what tomorrow never brings. Dude, I love his word, his wordplay on this. I, I think it's, this is like, so far in the pod, this is like the best thing he's ever written. Absolutely. And we're only two episodes in. Two episodes deep. That's a bold claim, I know, but... And this is three albums in too. So I mean, this, <laughs> yeah. like late three at albums the end in. of the album. Yeah, <laughs> like he he was just getting better and better and better, and this band was just getting better and better and better at what they were doing. I I think they really have. I I think every album, they he he progressed so much lyrically, and he and he was so much more of an effective lyricist as the albums went on, which a lot of singers aren't good at doing. You know, they they tend to just become used to what they know and what they do, and they just kind of like phone it in, which sucks. But I feel like Zach, with every release, he just he just gets better and better. And this this verse, I think, is one of his best so far. I think it's also important to note that even though it, it has been documented for decades prior, it wasn't it didn't really come out until two thousand and two with the whole church and the molestation thing when mm -hmm. i think it was the boston globe that like broke that story yeah, and this was in 99 that this lyric was was murdering our ears mm -hmm. and it wasn't until <laughs> years later that it was actually came out and like it was widely known and everybody got got their hands in it it just shows that you know 
this stuff has always been happening and people have always known about it, but nobody wants to really face the reality of what's happening until it's really, until somehow it's brought into the world news or, or it's brought into the mainstream media or whatever, you know? Like, people have always talked about how corrupt the, the church is, both with the molestations and the the money corruption and the laundering and the all that kind of stuff. But nobody really wants to talk about it in mainstream media. And there are various reasons for that, but, I mean, we don't have to really get into that. But, damn, dude, this song is so good. So, so good. Uh, yep. So, yeah, that, that's really the third verse. Um, some great rhyming. The, his wordplay, like I said, is, I think is amazing. Uh, you get another hook that comes in and then you get into the part we were talking about where he whispers and it's pretty much just the whisper. What he's whispering is just the hook. So this is the new sound, just like the old sound, just like the new sound over the new ground. But he says it over and over, whispering it, whispering it. And then the song just fucking goes nuts. And then he, he has a new chant that he has. Ain't it funny how the factory doors close around the time that the school doors close around the time that the doors of the jail cells open up to greet you just like the reaper. And when he, but this part, he's not speaking, he's screaming this part and he screams it a couple times and just everything around the music around it is just, just absolute fucking chaos. I, I fucking love it. I do too. I, I, and I think that per that goes really well with like my theory of this being like a story he's telling because as he's telling the story, he's remembering that in the beginning of the song, he it's a little bit calmer and he's trying to tell people that he's like, dude, you guys got to listen. You open your eyes. And then it gets more and more intense. And by the end of it, he's like screaming and pleading like, listen, fuckers, listen. But they don't. Mm-hmm. And then it ends. I mean, it, and lyrically too, he, it's, from what I get, it's just he's talking about how, you know, people are losing their jobs People have no education because all they've been doing is working. So they, they don't know, they haven't learned anything new. So when they lose their jobs, they have nothing except to resort to crime just to survive. And in turn, when you do crime, you do the time. So, oh, look at you, that's Ryan. jail for you. I know. I get inspired by Zach. You know? Yeah, straight up. Uh, like all these businesses, all <laughs> these factories are closing and they're getting outsourced to other countries or even all these like mom and pop shops are getting completely obliterated by amazon and so nobody's got jobs nobody's got money and so what do you do there's no there's nothing else you can do except crime you steal for what you need you steal yeah, for it exactly. and, then, and then you see other people in this world who have more money than they can possibly ever spend and it's, it's like dude i i want a job i want to work but nobody's hiring there's no there's you know nothing there. i was making x amount of dollars but now i'm making half of that now and so i mean it's just it's it's insane and the only place to go is is our prisons our prisons are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and they're getting more and more overcrowded and people are doing half the time and they get out of prison they can't they still can't find a job no because they've been to prison they've been to prison yeah it's it's just a a circle of shit uh that's what you know parts of the society is it it sucks man it really 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 sucks it does but I mean, this this I think this part is one of the like because the reason why he's talking about this is because of NAFTA, what happened in '94, because of all the with that with that ever like a lot of companies and corporations went down to Mexico and went to and did their dealings down there for half the price, and you know it's just like I, it sucks, man. It it sucks that it happened, that it was even signed and. I don't know. And another thing to 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 show that like this song kind of shows like no matter like what we were talking about it shows no matter who's in power things are never really going to change because the president who brought up the idea of NAFTA and this whole this whole agreement was Ronald Reagan in 1980. But it didn't pass and, and then George Bush tried to do it in when he was president and then it wasn't ratified until George uh not George Bill Clinton was in office and he was the one who finally did it. So, I mean, it just goes, this is just one example of it doesn't fucking matter who's in power. Like it's all fucked. It's all corrupt. You can't change anything at this level. Nobody in, in our, in our part of society is ever going to change anything unless there's an actual real revolution, which at this point it's never going to happen. I don't know. You never know. Rage is is coming back, baby. 
They're coming back to complain some more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. To sell two hundred dollars I mean, tickets. I mean, honestly, they—they're not going to be the ones going out there, you know, with the guns and trying to storm the White House or storm Wall Street. Well, I mean, they tried doing that once with their music, but we all saw how that went. They all got arrested and thrown in jail. <laughs> I but, feel like the only ones who would actually do anything would be Timmy C and Morello. Yeah, they're the most likely to to actually be out there to incite the violence. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like Timmy C would be the he'd be the grunt. He'd be the one like physically getting out there and like fighting. Yeah. And then Tom Morello would be the he'd be the the leader. He'd be the general. He'd be the one rallying everybody. He'd be on the mic with a megaphone. Yeah. yeah. He'd be on he on be on the back of a horse telling Timmy C to to lead the people to destroy. Dude, they're destroy like the a, opposition. They're a perfect they're a perfect duo. They're like Phil Jackson and Kobe. That's what they do. That's who they are. <laughs> Oh, it's so stupid. Great though, but stupid. Good stuffs. Yes. Uh oh, and then so the last part it's just, you know, him going ah oh ah oh and then he screams Oasis, this is no oasis. Essentially just saying, you know, this what what you see is just a mirage. Try to look past it and see what's really going on around you. That that's what I get from that line. Yeah. And then the song, you know, just it gets back into the hook where he whispers and whispers, and then it screams some more, and then that's it. That's all for the song. I really like that Oasis part though, because like an Oasis to us as kind of like Americans, Westerners, what was that? Did this was a train go by or something? No, it was a motorcycle. Oh, <laughs> like when you think of an Oasis, you think of of this this like resort right in the middle of a desert. Mm-hmm. But it's probably fake, like a mirage, and so that's that's just that's just like what we think of it, and so I, I think him talking about the oasis, and then still telling that story, kind of in like that third person sense, yeah, to his bum friend with the fingerless gloves, <laughs> and he's like saying the word oasis, and the other guys is like trying to picture it in his head, so it's almost like he's telling a story to an imaginary friend, but also to us. At yeah. the same time, which I think Man, is dude, that'd be incredible. that's such a cool concept for a video. I don't know why they like. Yeah, it's so good. It's perfect. A plus for you for coming up with that. Hey, baby. That treatment that music video treatment. Hey baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean that's pretty much it with the song. There, I was I I tried looking, but I couldn't find any demo of the song. Uh, it would be kind of cool to hear like, like if they had put out. Not just a demo, but maybe like a like some of the the sing- the individual tracks of just the guitar, just the bass, or some shit like that. But I couldn't find anything. No alternate version. Uh, no music video. Uh, like I said before, earlier in the episode, they did play. The, they have played this song several times live, uh, both pre and post breakup. Prophets of Rage never played this song. Audio Slave never played this song. So this is like a truly deep cut, and very surprising that they have, they have they've ever even played it live. Um, but I did want to, I did want to make one co- or a few things because I, I do have some covers here. Uh, this first one is, uh, what, are you, what are you laughing about? Because I can only imagine some of these covers that you probably listen to. <laughs> well, the first one I listened to, I actually listened to a lot today, but this, this one is, is a, is an all girl cover band. Um, fuck man. What are their name again? names again? Bad Cop, Bad Cop. Okay. So yeah, the, the cover band, the cover band is called take the power back and they covered this song live but if you listen to it they, they didn't play it like morello and when you don't play it like tom morello it sounds like the theme song to halloween so here it is real quick pretty cool right i mean it would be cool if if i was at like a like a like a punk show and mm-hmm. one of the bands i went to see played this live that would be totally rad but i mean that was awful and that yeah, but totally I mean, sounds like halloween right i'm not crazy no that okay, like, good. definitely sounds like halloween 
I hope. I hope now that I've heard that, like Morella doesn't sound like Halloween too, because that would really suck. <laughs> I, now that's all you're gonna think about, huh? Ugh. Although I mean, I I do think that's like one of the greatest Halloween tracks ever. Is that John Carpenter's Halloween music? Yeah. So it's not too bad. I guess. <laughs> no, but I, I, I even but even so, come on, th- that cover wasn't too bad. It wasn't too too bad. It's just I don't know. You covering just, you covering just... Rage is very very difficult. Yeah, and most most covers I find are just boring as fuck. That's the problem. Because nobody, boring. like nobody, does anything different with these rage songs. That's been the hardest thing is is finding somebody who does something different. But it's all the fucking same. Nothing is really very cool so far that I've been able to find. But I did find something just for you, Jeff. Uh, I did acoustic? find an acoustic cover. Oh I found yeah, an acoustic cover. <laughs> this was uploaded in December on December second, two thousand eight. So this is an oldie. This this is uh, Jamie Yonda, also known as Arto, doing his acoustic cover of uh, Ashes in the Fall. Jimmy Yonda doing his his acoustic cover. What do you think of that one? I, I thought it was sucked. Oh, you're silly. <laughs> you're so stupid. I knew you would like it. You like that bootleg like fucking it. other cover that just was like, okay, this sounds like Rage, but when they were like 10, so that's cool. But then you get a guy who tries to like transcribe not only like the song, but also the feeling of it. Kind of yeah. more so, not not in like a berating sense like Zach does, but more in like a like a sad way, which is I mean, what's that's what most acoustic people are going to be doing anyway is going to be like yeah. sad songs, and so I think without listening to the entire track, if he achieves that goal, then that's a solid cover. Uh, I I don't know. In man. the same vein I... as like Dynamite Hack took uh, Boys in the Hood and took it from this very serious gangster rap song and then turned it into like a frat boy goofy song. It's good, good stuff. Mm, I don't, th- I don't think so, man. I really don't think so. You just like covers that sound like the original song. That's why you like Weezer's Teal albums. You, just, you like covers. <laughs> you might as well just listen to the original track. Well, I, I mean, yeah, in some That's cases you like. you're absolutely right. In some cases you're right. But yeah, no, that, that acoustic cover was whatever. It'd be cool. Like if we were at that coffee shop that he's playing in, and you know this knucklehead's wearing this ugly Christmas sweater, and he starts playing a rage song. I, I mean, yeah, that would be kind of funny and cool. But other than that, no, it's As- assuming that he had his own songs. You got to give him props for playing "Ashes in the Fall" and not like yeah. "Bomb Track" or "Testify." True, because it is such a deep track. But like for people to even realize, like, wait, you say, is that rage? Like, dude, you get that's that's good stuff. I'd yeah. I'd buy him a cup of Joe for that. A cup of Joe. <laughs> Because it really does look like he's in a fucking coffee shop. It sounds like it too. The acoustics. Yeah. But okay, so I got I got one more cover, uh, and then another one. So uh, <laughs> you don't have one more. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you in a sec. So, so this one is um, this is a remix. Uh, this is the Bang After or the Bang Alter remix. I feel like you might appreciate it. Um, so we'll we'll see how it goes. So here it is. Like the new swine Over the new crowd 
There's the Bang Alter remix of Ashes in the Fall. What do you think of that one? I, I think you love I, it. I, I I think it was a, a noble attempt. I think he had the right idea. <laughs> I think it was such a knucklehead. I think it was severely unfocused. He 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 came in with Morello's part and then quieted it to have this kind of like bootleg Timmy C baseline. And then mm. there was too much Zach talking, and then it kind of just went nowhere. And then it dropped. But it didn't kind of drop. But then when you say like, when you put Zach's vocals in there into like a into a song, especially at a part where in the actual song it would have dropped because I mean that's that's what they do constantly. But then yeah. to have this techno remix thing not drop, I think was was just kind of weird. But it was it was or a the noble drop attempt. wasn't as crazy. It was a noble attempt, and I think he has some work cut. I think he has his work cut out for him. But I think <laughs> this could be a really cool cover. A really cool, uh, what do you call it? Well, I don't know. It's already been it's already been remixed. I doubt this person's gonna remix it again. That's unlikely. This is like a rough draft of a remix that could be really cool. Uh, well, hey, you're just insane. I thought you would love that one, and then just completely shit on the acoustic one. But I just I can't read you sometimes. You can't. So I'm gonna I'm gonna end this one with a with a band. And called Ashes in the Fall. Uh, this these guys they um, they look like a bunch of knuckleheads in high school. They look like they're playing like on a cruise ship or something like that. Uh, so yeah, like I said, the band's name is Ashes in the Fall, and this song is called A Promise. All my goodbyes. <laughs> there you go i actually uh i did actually read the description just now and they're actually playing at uh spirit life church spirit of life church that's where they're playing so it's not a cruise ship but yeah it's ashes in the fall that was from 2009 january 2009 cool um so i don't know where these guys are at now maybe they're still rocking at the church i don't know you never know but uh yeah that's about it i don't have any any more covers or i did see it there were quite a few bands with the name ashes in the fall but this is just the first one I came across, and I was too lazy to look at the other ones because I was already annoyed by what I was hearing. So I'd really like to meet those guys and talk to them <laughs> just because of the fact that if they're a church band, right, because they're playing at church, maybe the, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if they're a church band or if they just played a church, but I don't know. But assuming they're a church band that probably play like the music during the ceremonies, is that what you call them, ceremonies, the sermons? I don't know, whatever church people do. Yeah, the do. sermons, yeah. So that's pretty solid because, I mean, inevitably somebody's going to ask him, hey, where did Ashes in the Fall come from? Oh, let me show you the song. And then you show it to him and then their ears start bleeding. And then all of a sudden it says the priest that fucked you as he whispered holy things. <laughs> but, exactly. But like if, hey, but like, but if they can but actually I, separate like the music from their beliefs type of thing, I think that's really solid and really cool and, and admirable. <laughs> You're such a dumbass. What? It but is. That that clean guitar if he was playing, it sounds a lot like a Red Hot Chili Peppers song, but I can't put my finger on it. But anyway, at least you only can separate like your personal beliefs and then listen to music that is, for instance, if you're just high and holy and and you think you're better than everybody, you don't think you can listen to satanic music and then think this is solid music, even though I don't like the message. Yeah, you could do that. What are you laughing at? Because you're you're insane. I do. do, You're just insane. So you, so you, So you think you can't separate the two? 
No, you can. Then, you absolutely can. Then why did I, but well, the fact that I you even you gave laughed. him an A for effort. Because I don't know. Just the fact that you love this band so much. You love Ashes in the Fall. Because they're dope. Because they, they're a church band and they named their band after one of the most like aggressively <laughs> anti-religion songs that Rage has ever done. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. They do only have a hundred views, so not not a lot of people have seen this particular video. Dang, were you the hundredth view then? I might have been the hundredth view. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I might have. That's awesome. Yeah, they do have fifty eight subscribers though. I don't even see if what what else they got on here. Smash that subscribe active. button, baby. Well, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Hit that like. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing they posted was uh, six years ago, and it was uh, our trip to the children's museum. Ooh. Oh, dude, these guys are the these guys are the, the bomb, baby. Fuck the is bomb, going on? the bomb tracks. Slide into their uh, DMs, see if they want to see if they want to come up, see see where they're from, where they doing. And there's one there's one video where it says "Who am I?" and the thumbnail is of a guy screaming into a microphone. So I'm kind of curious. So I, I want to hear this real quick. Play you fucker. I'm gonna I'm gonna sub. <laughs> Wow, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. What is going on with these guys? <laughs> what? I don't know, dude. That was weird. And then in the description, it just says, don't ask production. <laughs> 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 and this video and this video was posted two years after the one we were just talking about. So Maybe these guys are like pretend religious, like actually dying used to be pretend religious. Yeah, it could be that. Oh, man, dude. This is... That was a cool song, though, don't you? But I'm also kind of on the ashes yeah. in the fall high too, so yeah, I can't huh. I can't find their their YouTube channel right now. There's a lot of ashes in the fall stuff, so yeah, it's it's gonna be impossible unless I to, send you the link. You have to send me it. I'm gonna hit them up though. <laughs> I am. Okay, I'm going to. Okay, well, that's all I got for this episode of Rage Against the Pod or Rat Pod, as some people like to call it. Just you and I, really. But <laughs> uh, you got anything else to say about this song? No, ashes in the fall. No. Okay. Now, now I'm like contemplating whether or not I really like this song or if I just like Ashes in the Fall of the Band now. <laughs> both, both solid. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. That's all. Thank you all for listening uh, to Rat Pod, Rage Against the Pod. Uh, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Go follow us on social media uh, Instagram, Rage Against the Pod, Twitter, Rage Against Pod. Go fucking do everything and talk to us and go do everything baby yeah (laughs) i don't even go do everything i just got distracted so i get i mean that's it right we're done we're done with this we're good yeah we're good good to go okay bye okay bye